Welcome to Post Status Draft, the official podcast for Post Status, a website with news and information for WordPress professionals. Today, Joe and I will review the most important things that happened in the WordPress world in 2015 and look ahead to what we think will happen in 2016. If you enjoy this, you can get a lot more quality news and analysis from the Post Status Club multiple times per week. Check out our current club members, site partners, and join the club on our website at poststatus.com club. You'll be joining more than 500 wonderful club members, and you'll never miss important WordPress news again. Today, I'd like to feature one of our partners, Gravity Forms. Gravity Forms makes the best web forms on the planet. Over a million WordPress websites are already using Gravity Forms. Is yours? Check out Gravity Forms at gravityforms.com. Thanks to the team at Gravity Forms for being a post-status partner. Now here's our show. Hey, everybody. I'm Brian, and I'm the editor of Post-Status. And I'm Joe, a co-founder and the CTO of HumorMade, and welcome to the Post-Status Draft Podcast. This week, we're going to talk about the biggest things that happened in 2015 and what we think will happen in 2016. We'll do some uh, oracling, classic, classic, yeah, prediction chowder. (laughs) Prediction chowder. I've never heard that phrase. I I may have just made it up. I like it. I mean, I like chowder. I'm. I'm sure we're gonna. I mean, we could do predictions. I don't know. <laughs> so I, I, I don't want to get into that. We can keep it broad. People will develop more WordPress websites. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, that's the end of the show, folks. <laughs> Those are our 2016 predictions. Um, so yeah, it's been a while since we've done like has. a normal been, podcast. It's been a very long time. I've um, I think it was before I was in Australia. Um, is, is the last time, which feels like definitely. A couple of months ago, maybe. So you went to Australia, New York, Singapore, and back in New York. Is that right? Yeah, where well, we were down in Philly for a week as well. That kind of counts. Oh, I counted. I, I said New York instead of Philly. Okay. Some okay. city. Right. <laughs> and that doesn't affect you, yet I'm two weeks after Philly, I'm still sick yeah. from Philly, <laughs> which is awesome. It's too much uh, Too much partying. I guess. <laughs> I think yeah. it was too much uh, handshaking and disease catching. It was, yeah, that's true. Actually, it was fifteen hundred people all there. Yeah, how many of those people shouldn't have been there because they had some sort of sickness? <laughs> I must have shaken all of their hands. Well, maybe you just had early sickness and the, the symptoms hadn't shown yet, and you actually made a lot of other people sick. See, then I would feel bad. <laughs> I'd rather not feel bad and blame someone else. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, so a lot happened in 2015 and we figured it'd be fun to do a little bit of a Christmas episode near the new year type of thing where we talk about what we thought was important in 2015. Um, and yeah, let's just start there. Yeah. Let's, um, I mean, it's good job that you've written a list of some things because I don't have the best memory for these kind of things. <laughs> I'm like, didn't something happen around WooCommerce, Woo themes? <laughs> um, yeah, something like that. Yeah. So, um, what 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 a uh, what came I, to your mind straight away when you thought 2015? What um, kind of um, event or whatever? When I think in terms of straight away. I don't want to give it away, but I mean, we might as well say the magic keyword early, but it was the year of the REST API, um, and we'll get to that. But I actually want to talk about a couple yeah, of things true. that happened early in the year that I think were... You, one, want, you want to go chronological? Is that the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. And uh, 
one that was actually something I thought was going to be a really big deal. And then for everyone not in the UK or not in the EU, it wasn't that big of a deal. Uh, but the new VAT rules, you remember this story? Oh, was that in 2015? Yeah, it was January oh, wow. 2015. Yeah, I remember that. I uh, I was I remember I was in the UK, so um, mm-hmm. people were we were talking about it, um, and I remember thinking there is no way that everybody is going to it's going to work. <laughs> and since then, I think even in the EU, they're starting to relax the rules. Yeah, I don't know many people that are doing it. I know that we are, but I feel like we're fairly unusual, mm-hmm. and especially yeah for people outside the EU, there's no way that. That they're doing it. Yeah. Oh, surely. yeah. As far as U.S. businesses being affected and other uh, non-EU businesses being affected, I don't see it happening. And people were pretty worried about it. It was a big story in January. So that's yeah. Well, maybe if people would have started getting like prosecuted straight away or whatever right. fine, then it would have been different. But you know, the, the whole thing I think was a you know targeting of people or, or of companies that are you know. Um, funneling huge amounts of, of money, you know, to, to get around those rules. They're not worried about a yeah. small time. You're not going to go after people making less than a million dollars a year. Right, right. So that was a fun one that I thought of as I was scrolling through the archives. And yeah, I mean, discovered I, I, it was I, I a presume, big story, but non-story. Right, yeah, that's true. I mean, I presume the, um, thinking in terms of WordPress specifically, I presume like the e-commerce plugins responded to that by, you know, providing ways to handle it and stuff. I don't know. They did. It would actually be fun to get some sales records from some of those companies because I bet you that they sold a ton of them in like December, January, February, and then they just tanked because people realized no one was doing it. On on that note, you know what I wish I would have done is when the EU cookie law came out is is had a, a, a small plugin to enable <laughs> just that. Just put up a cookie notice. On yeah, website? yeah. Again, like you you can probably cash in on this kind of like you know where people get scared that they're doing the wrong thing or there's now a law around something so then they kind of go and panic fix or whatever <laughs> well you could probably uh anticipate some stupid encryption laws coming in yeah that's true actually hey well yeah. you know the uk Business might, might, might be banning ssl so. <laughs> <laughs> big opportunity there for us big opportunity <laughs> so the first real news that i thought was a big deal um was changes to wordpress lead developers for WordPress, and uh, that happened in February, and um, it's the first shakeup that we had for lead devs. This is like the people at the top, top, top. Uh, first shakeup we've really had there in a while. Um, yeah. What What is the? I've I've never really fully understood what it means to be a lead dev. Is Is that a um, you know honorary that, position or, or as like, someone with commit, you should know this. <laughs> Um, I mean, obviously, all the lead devs are the kind of most core and active members and and everything. So I kind of understand that. I'm just not sure, practically speaking. Yeah, so it actually, there are a few decisions that need some form of lead dev approval. um, But I don't think it's super formal. Um, But usually just one person, whoever has commit, can kind of give the go-ahead on some things. Right. Um, But the lead developers, as much as anything, they are, um, they're kind of the invisible hand, like guiding direction. Um, 
And then there's a few things that they might, you know, step in on or you wouldn't want something to go out unless someone that's a lead dev has given it the nod. Um, I would say right. a lot of that's around whether or not a feature goes into a major release or um, maybe some type of security update or something like that. But not necessarily every little change has to go through a lead dev. Anyone with commit can go through most sure. stuff. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I'd kind of you know know that that or, or know that those people that are on you know listed as lead devs, you know, are, are um, filling that role. Yeah, um, they're also the people that uh, review and invite committers. Um, uh, I see. So they look at the current list of guest committers. They propose new committers um, and then consensus amongst the lead devs usually helps those decisions be formed. Right, right. Um, so Helen and Dion were added as lead developers and then Ryan and Peter uh, became emeritus status, I guess. Uh, so that was, I mean, Helen and Dion were already enormously involved, mm -hmm. uh, but that was a a big step for a few reasons, but it was it was it was big news early in the year that I thought it would be fun to highlight again. Yeah, I, I feel like I kind of missed that one. <laughs> 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 I mean, I've obviously uh, I, I just don't remember it actually happening um, for some reason. I've, uh, but that that may be a recurring theme throughout <laughs> the stuff that we're going to talk about. Yeah, uh, okay. <laughs> maybe I wasn't getting the um, the draft or oh, sorry the post status email by this point. That, that could have been it. Well, human-made people certainly were, but you yeah, might have been I, I, I was very late to the March party. Yeah, no, I, I, that definitely happened, yeah. I'll forgive you. That's okay. Um, <laughs> another thing that happened in late February was the WordPress plugin directory switched to using active installs instead of downloads. Oh, was that all that time ago? Because I only noticed that like a week ago. <laughs> well, more recently it was also changed to where themes utilized it. Okay. Um, but back in February, uh, plugins had it. And actually, it was in beta for a while. So one of my more popular posts this year was um, taking a, a glance at plugins while this was in beta and it was supposed to be hidden. And there were more detailed active install numbers than there are now because mm -hmm. now... It only says like seven hundred thousand plus yeah. or nine hundred thousand plus. What, what's that about? Is and that is that intentional or is it is, isn't? It is intentional. Um, okay. I actually talked to some folks about this when I was publishing it, um, but the million plus numbers are all you see now. Whereas I have a post with uh, all the most popular plugins, including like you know jetpack was 3.7 million plus and okay a kismet was 6.2 million plus contact form 7 was the most popular at 6.3 huh. million plus and it went to that level of detail while it was in beta um so i really have probably the only snapshot of plugins so over is, a million is, is that con did they decide that was um they had like some concerns information or something or? no they had some concerns about the accuracy Although oh, okay. I, I think that their concerns were, while perhaps warranted, at least uh, it was accurate enough to give some kind of general idea. Mm -hmm. um, so, for instance, knowing that 
Jetpack had almost four million, not one million. That's a huge difference. Right, right. Um, and that's why I felt it was worth publishing still. Sure. Spe- especially with some of these that have tons of installs and not tons of, or tons of downloads, but not necessarily tons of installs. So BuddyPress has 2.6 million downloads, or did in February, and only 150,000 mm. installs. And right, I thought, right. I thought that was really interesting data. Yeah, in terms no, of, everybody downloads BuddyPress, but then they can't get it, <laughs> can't get it up and running. Or it's just been around for a long time, but it's not... <laughs> You know, yeah, because the downloads are also including the updates, so you get you know the Yoast plugin releasing an update every few days and crunching yep. the downloads numbers that way. Exactly. Um, so it was that was interesting data to me, but more importantly, in the long term, um, plugin developers now have a better idea of who's using their plugin, um, and they're definitely tracking this. I was just reading a post from. Um, Ninja Forms the other day where they were excited because they hit a new level. They think they went from 200,000 to 300,000 active installs. And uh, that's that's important data for them because, you know, you can't phone home from these plugins. So getting that type of information is really difficult mm. uh, for plugins that are in the repository. And my, my, that, my understanding is you can phone home if you, like, ask for permission. That's what the Yoast sure. one does. Is it sure, but that doesn't give you the overall idea of what you're looking at yeah that's um, true that's true really the only other way to do it is trying to track through built with data mm-hmm. um, and built with is actually pretty good i um i did a comparison between the active installs listed on org versus what built with could detect and of course only the largest plugins would be shown and only the ones where the source code could reveal mm, what was right, there right um but in those scenarios, BuiltWith did pretty well. Um, so people that are, you know, trying to track something to in more detail, they might want to figure out a way to expose the fact that they're installed, so that such a service like BuiltWith could track it if, right. if they're interested in that. Um, do you, Do but, you think uh, the you know WordPress plugin directory will add more in terms of that kind of? Um, reporting for developers maybe you know how many people are using php versions and stuff like that for your plugin um well that's another number that was made available with with uh with the new setup um you can see let's see there's multiple charts so it's uh, i think one of the charts was php data Oh, um, really? Interesting. I'm, I'm having a hard time figuring out if that's the truth anymore. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at the stats page for one of our plugins, and it's... Um, it's not showing it for you? Not Unless it's somewhere else. Um, Maybe it's on this developers tab. No. Oh, it's the active version of your plugin is all it is. Right, right. Yeah, yeah so no, it's not the PHP data. But there is general WordPress PHP data available. Right, right. Um, but no, it's not... That would be also insightful... But to answer your question, no, I don't think it's going to be a big priority for people running WordPress.org mm. because there's this uh, gap between people running WordPress.org and people running businesses that are hugely influenced by WordPress.org still. And it's a sure. little bit unfortunate, but it's it exists. Um, but some progress was made in February towards getting a better idea of what the popular plugins are by active installs versus downloads. And I think that's been a bigger impact than uh, perhaps 
the attention it's gotten throughout the year, but I know plugins are utilizing that data as much as they can. Mm, sure. So the next big story is up your alley. Uh, this was in the late spring, and there were a couple of up, uh, security issues that happened, and one of them involved a coordinated plugin update to address a security vulnerability that was affecting a, a bunch of popular plugins. Yeah, um, the that was the ad query arg. Um, uh, yeah. One. Yeah. Yeah. So you want to? Yeah. So talk that about this one a little bit. Yeah. Th- that that one was um, that was a funny one because it was a. I don't even think anything uh, was patched in core for that. It was more of a misuse of um, the function, right? Uh, rather than a core vulnerability. Um, and then there was the there was the comments vulnerability, which was. Um, Entering a comment that's longer than the database field would cause it to be trimmed. So then you could um, kind of manage to do some XSS by posting multiple comments and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I think, but shortly after that, that didn't the fix there didn't fix the um, problem with a character set that isn't in your database. I think that's where the Trojan emoji one actually came from. From my uh, hazy kind of memory, uh, so that that's kind of I guess you know dub Trojan emoji because getting emoji support in also gave support for all these other character sets, which also meant that they didn't have this specific security vector um, where your string again would get cut off if you put in some kind of invalid character. Um, and that was a, I don't know, maybe um, maybe I was feeling cynical around then, but I do remember thinking there's, there's a lot of security issues around at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> and um i was i was concerned you know for i mean for the wordpress project but but um uh, w- like r- running a wordpress company we come up against the kind of oh you know wordpress is insecure quite a lot like worry from enterprise and stuff like that and it's always been really good to be able to you know cite how little security issues there have actually been in WordPress core. Um, yeah. I, I think, you know, be, before the, the comments one, it was definitely a good amount of time before something quite that um, nasty was, was discovered. Um, and I just remember being a little um, almost disappointed that, that I couldn't quite say, you know, um, oh, you know, it's complete FUD there, there is, you know, WordPress is just secure as anything else. Cause there's, there's just been like three kind of rough security issues in, in, in a relatively small period of time. Um, it's obviously great that, that, uh, they were fixed. And I think like the added amount of, um, all, all of the attention that it got, um, you know, for, um, people looking at it more and more is, is better. Like every security issue that you do fix is obviously makes more secure software. So, so it's a very good, um, it's very good that they were discovered and patched, of course. But I just remember thinking like, um, this, 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 this sucks. I hope this doesn't carry on because <laughs> security like isn't my area in terms of like how good that you really need to, to understand these things at, at this point with WordPress, like all of the low hanging fruit are, are pretty, uh, solid, you know, in in WordPress, it's but but a lot a lot of um, there there are you know 
a lot of security issues that probably do exist in WordPress core. No one knows about them. But the level that you need to be to discover those is is way above my understanding of, of security right now. So I don't feel personally able to contribute a huge amount to that, unfortunately. Uh, but that that's kind of general security, I guess, not, not just WordPress. And it is something that um, I think you just have to kind of do, you know, risk analysis on rather than, you know, saying you're 100% secure. Uh, so there's no such thing. Yeah, but I, well, I, I think yeah. that's always been the case, but there weren't as many recent um, right, big I, I issues guess, that you had to point to. Yeah, exactly. It kind of just... Go against um, argument. Yeah, and it, it the handling... I mean, I, I thought the handling of these was actually pretty brilliant. I mean, that's why the Trojan emoji, uh, Trojan emoji was such a big story. Um, yeah, because I, this happened throughout 4.2 development under the guise of emoji support, but it right. was really fixing this terrible bug. Um, yeah, the the so the comments one that came before, I know that that one didn't um, that that one was kind of touching. I don't know if I would call that um, a success or not, just because. Well, actually, that one came. After it was four point two point one was okay. when the comments one was fixed. Right, right. Um, that one was a zero day that was pretty nasty, and there was a little bit of drama yeah, around that one as exactly. well. Exactly, and I, 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 I've got a feeling that that wasn't really the fault of the you know core team or anything necessarily. It was just um, I think you know just kind of played out that way, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but yeah, by, by and large, I'd say that um, you know WordPress still has a fantastic track record both on security and of kind of shepherding through fixes and communication around that kind of stuff. Um, for like, I, I, it didn't get to the level where like I had clients asking me about it or anything. It didn't get to that level of um, kind of uh, wildfire or whatever, you know, scare. Yeah. And um, so there were, I've been trying to look at what everything that happened, and there were actually three issues. So that was 4.2 with the Trojan emoji. 4.2.1 was the one that wasn't so good because the hacker released it as a zero day in the end. Um, and then 4.3, there was great collaboration with a uh, a white hat hacker, I guess. And I, I did a note that was called Inside the Mind of a White Hat WordPress Hacker because... I have another cheesy one too. It was actually the WordPress security trilogies. Uh, oh yeah, what I called it because they they published a three part um, breakdown into how they found the vulnerability, how they uh, and how they did everything around it, and then the process of working with the team to fix it. Mm -hmm. And you know, you could say this was an example of insecurities in WordPress, but I mean, this person went through a lot of work to truly expose it so that they could create a path for any WordPress website to be hacked. Mm. And it wasn't a zero day. It was a coordinated fix. So it really wasn't a big deal. And it was auto updated back to 3.7. So that one was another successful one in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. And it was really fun to read about, to learn more about what that process looks like when, when people are doing security research. Yeah. Yeah, um, I'd, I'd say to anybody interested in that kind of stuff, or I think interested in development maybe too, is if if you you know decide to sit down and read through the source code and decide I'm going to try and exploit something here, um, it does definitely um, give you a, a good perspective on you know when you're actually trying to write secure things 
Yeah, absolutely. I learned a lot uh, just reading the way they thought about that. And yeah, so that's kind of a three-part security news of 2015. And I think those are the type of things that are always going to happen. But um, I I feel like 2015 had more dramatic versions of security releases than, than... some years. Right, right. And I'm sure, you know, on, well, we'll probably get to the predictions, but um, <laughs> as, as one of the people trying to shepherd the API in, that's a big um, area for, for security too. Yeah, absolutely. And both with these two updates and the minor updates that uh, were pushed out to all installs back to 3.7 and the plugin updates, which the one we started on with this conversation was the coordinated plugin updates for like five or six different big plugins on the ad query arg thing. But there are also other ones like with the Kismet and I don't know, a bunch of other ones where they had forced plugin updates. That yeah, was so definitely the, a theme of 2015 of utilizing the ability to force upgrades. Oh stuff. yeah. I think we did like three with the rest API um, mm-hmm. for varying degrees of, there was a couple of pretty bad, security issues unfortunately there um but again like coordinating with the dot org team is super good there they're so helpful with kind of getting that stuff done um yeah i just remembered another issue which might be the it it was the um there was a cross-site scripting in like a readme file for what was it genericons or something like that do you remember that one uh was it Genericons or Dash Icons? Uh, Dash Icons, that was, that was it. I remember yeah. that one being a real pain because it um, that was coordinated. And um, and Dash Icons is in core, but it was also right, it's, packaged it's, in some other stuff. It's it's in some plugins and stuff like that. It's in like a lot of projects that are quite embedded, like the, the, the WordPress core themes, I think, um, had had it in as well. So it, it it just kind of made things specifically difficult because the way we have a lot of our projects is like the WordPress project, pull, WordPress is pulled in, so you couldn't actually make any code modifications to it. Mm, yeah. Um, and I remember just having to live just delete that file from like 40 servers to... <laughs> and that was all that they did for the force upgrades. For, for, they for just the, went and right, deleted right. it because it's just a readme. Yeah, exactly. But that, um, that's, that's another example of something that's like would seem super benign in terms of code reviews and stuff. Like who's looking like that hard at a readme file, you know, dot HTML. That's just, just not typically what people are looking for, but it's still quite possible to get uh, pretty nasty kind of vectors in through that way. Absolutely. So that brings us to May. Well, some of that security stuff, it kind of happened through spring and summer. Um, in May, though, was the biggest acquisition news of the year, and probably, um, probably the biggest acquisition news really in the history of the WordPress business ecosystem, because Automatic acquired WooThemes, and WooThemes was yeah. It is wait, wait, were they the, the second largest? Largest, I guess. It was the largest automatic acquisition ever. But what, yeah. what was it the second largest company like that's kind of a big part of the WordPress space? Um, I think they were the largest non-hosting right, non- right. entity that wasn't Envato. We're carving them out. <laughs> yeah, but if you talk about theme and plugin companies, mm-hmm. um, I think they were pretty clearly 
the largest out there right um at the time and the way they've continued to scale significantly since then um but yeah they had 55 people they were doing uh a few million in, or not a few million eh, what 10 million in revenue something like that i don't yeah. know i did i didn't realize there were only 55 though i thought they were more than that they were at the time they're Interesting. more than that now yeah so i had a line in the story uh I said, I'm quite confident that WooThemes revenues were around 9 to 10 million in 2013. And with 10 to 20% growth, then they were probably around 15 million in revenue when they got acquired. And then I think I guesstimated, guesstimated is a, uh, it might be a little too conservative of a word, uh, that their acquisition price was 30 to 35 million cash in stock. I can't remember exactly how I came upon all those numbers, mm-hmm. but some of it was based on sourcing and some of it was based on guessing. Um, some of one of them was based on a guy from Recode that actually uh, had the o- he was the only person that was willing to put out a number with huh. the thirty million region. Um, so is that um, I presume that number hasn't actually been made public and um, and it won't be. It's okay. It's just one of those things with uh, yeah with Matt and Automatic, they don't reveal uh, those types of acquisition numbers. So the only way I would ever find out is if someone that knew it came to me and considering yeah, they all work for Automatic still, <laughs> it's probably... And I don't know if you'd be the first person because you'll shout it from the rooftops. I would <laughs> shout it from the rooftops. I would obviously tell post-status club members first, very <laughs> quietly, and then WP Tavern would shout it from the rooftops. <laughs> Um, what if if automatic? I don't really know the IPO rules. Would it be disclosed if automatic ever IPO'd? Uh, it may be. Yeah, a lot of that type of data is disclosed, right? With an IPO, um, we'll find out someday. Yeah, I, d- I don't really was. care to be honest. It's not. Yeah, the point is they got acquired. Um, it, it, it sounds to me like your guesstimations must have been in the ballpark. That, that doesn't seem crazy. Yeah, I didn't get any blatant. You're so wrong, right? Type right. of comments, yeah, sure. Um, and I had some pretty decent sources on some of the data that wasn't guesstimated, but mm-hmm. more just I'm fairly certain type of stuff. Right. Anyway, doesn't matter. What does matter is that it was a big deal for the WordPress world because um, you had a, a company bootstrapped and all that good stuff that was doing well, was scaling. And once they hit this this level where you felt like it was just going to pop and just continue to get huge and potentially be the third leg of like the automatic Envato stool, um, automatic went and gobbled them up. Mm. And do you have a cynical view on that, or do you think that, that a little was bit? A, yeah. Um, I mean, and it's natural too because companies want to pull in companies that are doing well, and automatic. And Envato are really the only companies that have the type of cash and weight sure. to throw around to do something like that. Um, yeah. It, so it, it, doesn't, it doesn't surprise me that they did it. Mm-hmm. I'm very curious what's going to happen uh, this year in terms of other companies that are showing that type of potential. Right, right. And one of the interesting things, and this is getting into prediction territory a little bit, but... Uh, Automatic's not the only company with uh, big bags of cash that can acquire these companies now. Um, there are other companies that are clearly interested in the market 
that also have a lot of cash. So I think there's going to be a little more competition in terms mm. of who may and can get acquired. Right. If you know, if some of these larger WordPress companies are looking for an exit, which I think we'll see is true for some of them. Yeah, though I'm not sure how many. Um, like we, we was a good example of a big um, kind of product company, I guess. Well, there are others for sure. Right. Who I who mean, come to mind? Um, I mean, for example, Yoast is really big. Okay. Um, Yoast yeah. is like thirty or forty people. I guess now. like Gravity is pretty. Gravity must be pretty big. Gravity forms, uh, maybe not people wise, but as terms in terms of just like, right, business Re- product. Yeah. I mean, they're they're a formidable form building tool, and form building is something that obviously is a big deal in the general web market as well. Like Wufu got gobbled up, for mm-hmm. instance, um, and that's who they view as their competition. Right. right. Um, Optin Monster is growing like crazy, and it's not WordPress only. Um, I mean, smaller companies like Pippin's plugins yep, have some sure. hot products. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of stuff out there that is probably desirable and could be interesting if they had uh, the type of reserves that Automatic has to put into something or, you know, GoDaddy or EIG or one of the big hosting companies with a lot of money or Envato if Envato wanted to get a little more vertical. Um, mm. So there's a lot of interesting stuff that could happen for sure. On on that note, did you receive that email a few weeks ago about um, that company that were just trying to like buy everybody's plugins? <laughs> yeah, I think, that was just, I think that was just spam. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I think they like emailed everybody on the uh, on the repository. Well, they sent forty thousand emails. I think so. Um, anyway. They probably you can probably scrape the repo and grab the email address of the plugin maker, huh? Right, right. Exactly. Maybe I'll do that to build up my email list. <laughs> <laughs> Watch that bounce rate. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the last, well, other than the REST API and uh, JavaScript. Then the last like singular news that I have was from July. That was a big deal, which is the thesis automatic and WordPress drama. Um, yeah. So this was the domain thing. Uh, it was multifaceted. Yeah. Th- this was a week and a half of my life writing a ten thousand <laughs> word post. Did you? Um, f- <laughs> did you feel like there was? Um, um, I, I, I don't want to put this the wrong way, but but value to doing that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it shines some light okay. yeah. on um, on something that in the end is important for WordPress because you had, uh, I mean, anything Matt does where Matt gets really into it to a degree is important. Um, he just, is just, the, just just to highlight that. Um, the, the the situation that we're in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's influ- he's so influential on our world. You know, mm-hmm. the BDFL benevolent benevolent dictator for life role. Um, we got to pay attention. You know, um, right. And right. you know, this was a fascinating story with blame to go around between thesis and automatic. Um, but there are also patent issues on the web at stake there were trademark mm-hmm. issues with wordpress there were or and thesis rather there were uh gpl issues that were reignited mm-hmm. um 
And there was also just this weird personal spat that was kind of right, came, came right. to light. Um, so there was a lot of interesting stuff there, and I think we learned a lot through that story. So I'm glad I did it. Mm -hmm. uh, it was also probably one of the more popular things I wrote. Thank goodness, because yeah. it took so long. That's, uh, that's what you get from drama. <laughs> <laughs> yep, WP drama, baby. <laughs> Um, um, but yeah, that was in the summer. It seems like it wasn't that long ago, but it was, yeah. it was middle of the year. So do you think, is is that the end of the thesis drama or is it going to come back again? No, it's actually on my to-do list and somebody can scoop me on this if they want. Uh, it's on my to-do list to follow up on some of the, the legal okay. parts yeah. of that because, you know, there were active uh, requests for trademarks to be revoked and... Mm -hmm. um, you know, patent applications and stuff like that that needs to be followed up on, and I need to do that. Um, so, you know, if one of my competitors is listening to this and they beat me to the take, then congratulations. <laughs> um, but I'll be doing it over probably the holidays or something like that. That's really depressing. Uh, <laughs> I'm in a dark mood today. <laughs> yeah, well, let's move on. Yeah. <laughs> So the overarching story of 2015 that doesn't have to be isolated to any particular event, but it was definitely, in my view, and based on what I talked about the most um, and what we talked about the most, was the REST API and JavaScript in general and WordPress. Would you say that was the biggest story of 2015? I'd say for for me it probably is, but I'm, I'm now... Um, losing sight of uh, over whether this is something that um the wider community are are as interested in as me <laughs> well i hope so because we talk about it <laughs> exactly exactly we may have unknowingly held this podcast back by doing that i don't know if mentions um, of the rest api in our podcast were a drinking game then <laughs> i don't think we'd ever really get to the end that's we'd true just pass out right right yeah i th i mean to be honest, I think the state of the word, and I, I kind of talked on it a bit in the last podcast we did, I really did think that was really good and really um, nailed home, really, or, or validated the the kind of work that we've been doing on the API. And, and you know, talking about JavaScript and things as well, um, seeing that, you know, Matt, def Matt Mullenweg definitely sees that as the future for the project for or, or a big part of it anyway. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I don't... You know, I, I kind of pretty sure we're not kidding ourselves. <laughs> no, I don't think we are. I agree. I think uh, Matt putting such a focus on the API and JavaScript in the in the state of the word was the nail in the coffin on this being the biggest, most important thing of 2015 and probably 2016. Um, yeah, yeah, and and it's it's I, I guess it's kind of a it's pretty big thing, right? It's quite daunting maybe to. Um, to know there's this big thing on the horizon and there's a good amount of learning to do and a, and a lot of, um, there's a lot of development still to do, right? We're still building a lot of this stuff. Um, yeah, I subscribed to the GitHub repo updates and now <laughs> y'all just own my inbox. I mean, it's yeah, like there's, there's been a lot of activity of for the past day. couple of weeks. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, it's pretty awesome. Thinking about uh, making a special folder for that that I never checked. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, did you play NBA Jam as a kid? Because you didn't. What does you that stand for? The National Basketball Association. No. 
Oh, hold on. Get... What is that? Are you talking about a computer game? <laughs> the, mean, two, like... the two-on-two Sega Genesis basketball game? Because you didn't get my nail in the coffin reference. I mean, nail in the coffin is just a saying. It is, but it's <laughs> particularly an NBA okay. Jam saying. All uh, right, no, I do, so, not, I do not know what that is. I'm hoping that at least some listeners appreciated that. Oh, clearly you did not. <laughs> but you should, don't, don't you should play these, NBA uh, Jam and, uh, and definitely be Jordan and Pippen. And you can just dominate. Is, is that this game. like a game from like the nineties? Yeah. Okay. Maybe yeah. I could I could download like a, an emulator. You were just busy learning to code. I was, or yeah, something. I've been busy learning uh, ASP.NET in my uh, <laughs> as an eight year old. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So that's 2015. Um, Let's talk more about 2016, what we expect. Obviously, this is a little bit of an extension of just where we were. Um, yeah, people like, are so, obviously, well, sorry, carry on, carry on. People are obviously, like you said, going to have to learn. People that were comfortable doing what they were doing with WordPress, um, you can still do that for years, I'm sure. Uh, the same old type of site building and consultations and stuff. But the skill, the skill that's going to be in demand... Um, and the the prevalent talking point from a development perspective is going to be JavaScript and utilizing the REST API. And now that the infrastructure is in core, there's going to be a lot of uh, attention given to further development of the endpoints. Um, so what are you expecting in 2016 in terms of the REST API and JavaScript? Yeah, so um, as as a... First note, I think um, we should put in the show notes, Remkus put together a learning JavaScript um, article just with mm-hmm. a, a, a kind of very top level, you know, hit of, of all the different stuff that you're going to want to be looking at. And I just thought that was that was interesting that he published that. Like, I, I can see more people publishing those kind of things. Um, oh, they are. Right. I've I've been getting them constantly. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. Like, um, I'd imagine that's a pretty good source of traffic right now. Um, Yeah, so I kind of see quite a bit more of that. Um, People trying to figure it out. Right, right. Because I I was thinking thinking of putting together a post uh, where I would just, because I've been doing JavaScript quite heavily now for about six months, and I kind of feel like I'm getting you know, um, to grips with it, um, at, at, at a, a, a more, you know, fundamental level. Um, mm-hmm. so I was going to put together a post of just like, here is everything that I kind of know about, I guess, in terms of JavaScript. Um, uh, we might need to stop the presses for a second. You mean like a real blog post, not like a gist? <laughs> It'd probably be the full gist. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. But I, this I, needs to be a post and you know, <laughs> there's a site that you can put it on, uh, yeah. called post status. Or guest guest post a guest maybe. post, um, but just more of that sharing of like, um, if 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 for example I were to list out twenty things and you don't have never heard about ten of them, you now have ten things to go and Google and look up and oh, so you're gonna make it real Buzzfeedy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, I mean, I'm 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 making this up as I go along right now. Twenty things you'll never believe about JavaScript. <laughs> What I'm saying is, um, 
having those jump off points for like, oh, I've never heard of what Webpack is. I'll go and work out what that is and understand it's where it's placed in the JavaScript ecosystem. Because I think mm-hmm. that's one of the biggest things about actually learning something. When, when I come to learning something, that's typically what I do, is I try and get as like surrounded by the the whole ecosystem and community or something. So, um, you know, JavaScript, for example, is JavaScript, but then there's like, you know, loads of other things. Like I'm quite active in reading all of the React stuff that happens, like following all the NPM stuff around packages, how all that works, uh, transpiling with uh, Babel and things like that. Like there's a lot more than just learning JavaScript and just like trying to like, uh, get a mental map in your head of where all these different things, you know, fit in. I guess. Uh, Would you say it's an accurate analogy that learning a new ecosystem or new programming language is kind of like 16th century explorers, where you think you're gonna go west and run into India, and you really hit America, and you realize that there's a whole new world, and it's it's different than you expected it to be. Yeah, I mean, I probably wouldn't say it's quite that grand, but um, <laughs> it does have, it's got that kind of fog of war in like you, 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 you don't actually know at the beginning how much there is to learn. It's, and and not, that's not just the programming language, like learning an actual programming language is pretty simple. Mm-hmm. Um, like most people know the syntax of JavaScript at this point, but actually mm-hmm. um, being able to leverage the whole ecosystem is, is kind of a different thing. And that's being kind of, able to understand the, world map of what's out there right exactly so when it comes to building something you're aware of like what are the current best practices what technologies are people using like you know maybe uh why aren't people using this specific library much anymore like why are these and and, and having your finger on that pulse of and and um javascript is something that's incredibly quick moving so so that that does move around a lot if you you know look at JavaScript frameworks or something, you'd have probably rewritten your app about six times this year already. Um, but but just even being aware of that is um, super valuable, and that's kind of the point I think we need to get to for WordPress for WordPress to be um, much improved by an ecosystem of of developers that that know the JavaScript ecosystem. Um, then we need to get to that point where it's not just people know how to program JavaScript; it's that people in WordPress are generally uh, very aware of, of the whole world of JavaScript and what it is doing and where it's going, and uh, trends that it's leaving behind and things like that. Yeah. And it's kind of exciting to me because it's this, I don't know, it's this feeling like people are really pumped up to try to figure out this whole space. Um, and you mentioned Rimkus's post about learning it. There's also JavaScript for WP.com, which is Zach Gordon from former Treehouse yeah, instructor. He's created be a very interesting project. Yeah, and I think he'll be a great teacher for introducing people. Um, we must say something to look forward to in 2016 is a day of rest. Um, so you know, you guys are putting on a conference all about the REST API and feelingrestful.com. So there's all these resources that are popping up to kind of help people navigate those waters in 2016. Um, yeah, there, I, I think the 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 uh, general community seems to be responding well in terms of uh, both, both kind of in terms of enthusiasm of wanting to learn, but also people stepping up to. 
um, try and offer those resources. The JavaScript for, w, uh, for WP.com, I think it's a really good example of that. Um, it seems to be exactly the kind of thing that we need. How, so with a day of rest, there's going to be all four developers there, uh, yeah. pr- leads. So you, Daniel, uh, Rachel, and Ryan are all going to be there, plus a lot of other people that are going to be influential on... Um, kind of how the REST API is perceived, I guess, and how the direction that people go with it. Um, yeah. How do you think that event will impact the API and what's going on with the API? Yeah, good question. I guess because the the people that are generally attending are, you know, people that, um, I'd say, you know, people, people want to learn, basically, but, but maybe there's a good amount uh, that I know of that are, um, influencers, influencers, and also people that are going to be directly using it. So probably, I, I imagine like a good amount of feedback is going to be coming from that as well. So I think just uh, for the API itself is going to benefit a lot from that, both in terms of um, us having to put together a pretty coherent schedule of like how we'll actually teach this stuff, and all those videos obviously going to be available, but also uh, feedback from people, you know, throughout the event and the following days or whatever about um, technically or not technically about what is intuitive, what isn't, what people are asking questions about the most and things like that. So just uh, having that focus on it with with that uh, amount of people is certainly good. But there is also, like you say, there's a really good uh, you know lineup of people speaking and also attending who are kind of influencers who I would hope are going to kind of talk about it um, and drive, you know, some more excitement and people want to get involved to learn this stuff a lot more. Zach is coming from um, JavaScript for WP as well, and he's going to be kind of um, learning there in terms of, you know, so then he'll be able to produce a lot more content, but also in in terms of the sessions and how things are kind of talked about and things like that too. Are the leads going to be there for a couple extra days to hack on it together? Yeah, and and that's pretty open to anybody that wants to uh, come. So we have... Ah, So me. Yeah, I get to play. Exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> we have uh, the some offices provided Mozilla by Mozilla in London, uh, which they've kindly um, given us for free. That's awesome. Uh, so yeah, that, there'll be. I think the day afterwards um, is is like a full hack day, and then I'd imagine whoever's you know around any any longer than uh, that, that can certainly happen. But I think we just have the one day guaranteed there. Um, and that's like, it's kind of somewhat funny because this is a conference that Humor made are um, organizing and um, it's, uh, you know, um, it, it, it's not kind of a for-profit like event, but it, it, it's a commercial event. Um, yeah. So it's, um, it's an interesting mix of that, but also as wanting to focus on contribution to the REST API generally. Um, just just because you know we have all the people in town. Two of the people that are on that team work for Human Made anyway. Um, so it it it's somewhere in between that line, I guess, between like commercial conference and um, you know WordCamp contributed a type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I'm not like legally speaking, it's it's not a, a charitable event or anything. Um, but you're not trying to make money off of it. Right, exactly. And you're probably not going to make money off of it. Oh, no, no, definitely not. Um, but, um, it, I mean, there's maybe 
tangential benefits to QMA generally is, of, of putting on that conference. But that's, you know, as far as I'm concerned, that's just the reward for putting in all the legwork for, <laughs> for uh, yeah. putting it together. I, um, yeah, I'm really excited about the conference, but also just about, I guess, the, where we're going to go in 2016. Because, I mean, this is new waters for me too. I mean, I I have not dug deeply <laughs> to use Matt's word into JavaScript. Um, sure. I've used the REST API to a minimal extent myself for my own work, but only like the bare minimum of like making an Ajax request to a pretty specific part of the API and, you know, like using it in small ways. And I really want to like build an entire site just using the REST API in 2016, for instance, like mm-hmm. I might, transition my personal blog to using the REST API for no reason at all. Right. Uh, just to learn. And that's what I did back in between 2008 and 2010 when I was learning to become a WordPress developer. I did the same thing with, you know, with WordPress itself. Right. Um, so it's it's like taking yourself back to school, and I feel like there are thousands of people that are going to be doing this, and it's really going to be a big deal for the web world as, in general. Um, because you have people that have grown up in the PHP and WordPress ecosystem that are getting exposed to a whole new world of programming mm-hmm. that translates better than, say, being an expert in WordPress development to other types of stuff and services. Because every great service, really, if you want to interact with it, hopefully you're doing it with a RESTful API now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So being able to interact with WordPress and learning that, you're basically also teaching yourself how to interact with any other uh, awesome right. service out there. Yeah, it's it's because um, it's not like any of this stuff didn't exist before. It's just um, it's it's getting a little closer to home for WordPress for, developers. Right. Um, so, yeah, obviously um, people are, are hopefully going to become... Um, PHP developers, but also JavaScript developers. That's kind of right. You know, I, I it, see that being more fifty-fifty rather than the kind of ninety-ten that it is. Right and now. to clarify what you just said, examples of that too, off the top of my head, are one like for instance, if you're going to integrate your WordPress site with Mailchimp, you're going to do it through their REST API. If you're going to integrate your WordPress site with Stripe or some other merchant processor, you're probably going to do it through their REST API. Um, and people right. have been doing that. WordPress developers or PHP developers have been doing that to create payment gateways, and, right? You right, know, exactly. Mailchimp plugins. But now, it you're going to people are going to be doing that with WordPress functionality itself. So, right, uh, it translates really well. And there's a lot you can a lot you can do with a REST API and learning the principles of JavaScript and working with the REST API within the context of PHP too is is going to be extremely beneficial for anybody that decides to learn it. Yeah, yeah, I would say um, I, I, I hope you know people aren't worried about having to learn it all because um, it's going to make you a much more like you know the, the more the more you learn with programming, the better. The more different languages you learn, typically, the better you are at programming in those you know other languages that that you knew previously. Just that that added experience uh, will will change how you write existing things as well. So the more you can learn, the better. And hopefully we're just, you know, um, providing an e- uh, a, a good direction for people that do naturally want to learn more anyway is, well, come and learn all of this JavaScript stuff and REST stuff because 
uh, that's going to be super useful. So another thing in 2016 that I think is going to happen is that we'll see more WordPress-centric companies grow up. Uh, I handed towards this earlier, but mm. companies that are already big getting bigger or companies that are pretty small now that we'll see continue to expand rapidly in 2016. And some of these will grow up by getting bigger, maybe doing bigger projects, uh, maybe see some consolidation and acquisitions happen. I definitely think we'll see more of this in 2016 than we saw in 2015. Uh, what do you think as someone that owns an agency that's pretty grown up? Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, WordPress definitely is getting a lot more mature. I think the whole ecosystem community, it's, it's all definitely um, kind of, uh, I, I'd say, speeding up at its at its rate of, of maturity there. Um, yeah, so definitely I obviously expect uh, <coughs> companies to get a little more serious, I guess, uh, not, 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 um, not culturally, but just um, probably a, a little more, you know, um, like real business, I guess, you know, a little more highly competitive and things like that with the acquisitions being part of that as well. Um, yeah, I, I guess I'm interested to see, like the agencies is where I have the most experience and the agencies are fairly, you know, consistently moving along, I would say, for the past few years now is, mm -hmm. is my kind of take, or, or at least that's how it's been for us. And it kind of seems to be like that with the, you know... Um, our, you mean in terms of size or scale of projects? Um, I, I guess just kind of all around, um, like scale of projects, the type of projects, I'd say that, you know, I'm, I'm kind of thinking the kind of like 10 ups, crowd favorites, Ali Interactive, the, that kind of group. Uh, web dev, you know, they're 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 all, all growing this, the same with human made, but kind of doing you know a, a lot of the same stuff that we were probably um, not not in a in a bad way. I, I just feel like um, there, there there's not a huge amount changing there. Whereas if I look at the kind of product side companies, then there seems to be a lot more things. You know, people um, people are being talked about more uh, like. People are starting their own shops, and it's a bit more visible. They're coming out with products. People try and SaaS. Like those things seem to be a lot more kind of um, uh, Cambrian explosion esque, rather than what appears to be a, a little more slow and plodding from from the agencies. I don't know if that's a so a, a good dichotomy or not. But uh, that's so on the theory. agency, I, I agree with this. So on the agency side, you're seeing more linear growth. Yeah, I'd say so. Like I. I I, I expect ten up to grow by a, you know a couple dozen a year, <laughs> couple, couple whatever they can they can manage to hire quick enough there. Um, and, and the same, you know, I, I think human made. I'm, I'm not sure. Maybe you know, quite quite slowly. I think if anything, then then we may be slowing. I, I don't know um, from from the hiring perspective. Uh, maybe from a people perspective, but it seems to me like y'all are getting exposed to larger and larger work. Yeah, yeah, maybe that's true. I mean, in terms of you know uh, every other company metric, then then it's all you know it's doing the kind of hockey stick type thing, um, and I'm sure that's same for for a lot. It's just um, it it seems kind of like business as usual, I guess. 
mm-hmm. um, e- even you know on on that kind of growth trajectory or whatever. Um, it, it doesn't seem different to what I would be expecting if I had a company in any other industry. I would still hope to be succeeding at that similar level, but it seems the whole. The, the greater WordPress ecosystem, right, is, is growing as a whole quite rapidly at the moment, um, both on technology and kind of business side, um, product side, that kind of stuff. Um, whereas I, I just don't see um, the agencies quite as part of, of that explosion. I don't disagree with that. There are two ways, and I think that product companies are really exploding. Um, one is I think we're just seeing the beginning of people with massive user bases starting to monetize those user mm, bases. Right. Um, I like using the Yoast example because uh, it's a free plugin, or Yoast SEO is a, f- or is a free plugin that is just so freaking big that any way they offer up for people to give them money, even the tiniest conversion percentage is massive scale for them. So take that and move it on down the line in terms of plugins and stuff with WordPress. As people start to get more aggressive in terms of how they monetize a free user base or just being exposed within the WordPress ecosystem in general, the potential to monetize those spaces is going to be greater. Right. Um, right. I think there are more million dollar products than people might mm-hmm. guess uh, and there are more multi-million dollar or ten million dollar products than people might guess and I think we'll see a lot of companies make bigger jumps as the ecosystem continues to scale as people continue to have a tolerance for paying for stuff um, right and also as there are more integrations so like uh, GoDaddy's doing a lot of interesting stuff, for instance, with integrating um, plugins. And, you know, they have the potential to, like, put somebody on the map. And <laughs> if GoDaddy picks you as, like, the per- the, the company that they're going to promote your stuff, there's a huge market opportunity there. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one area where I see a lot of growth potential for 2016. Another is with people not being just WordPress specific and being uh, geared towards the general market. Right. But are you thinking in terms of um, product creators or um, Product and SaaS. Okay. Um, So and one example that's already happened in 2015, I think we'll see more of this. Uh, Optin Monster went from being just a WordPress plugin to being something that can go on any website because they made it JavaScript based. They have their own API, and eventually it pings WordPress as a web service, uh, you know, to deliver those requests. But really, it's a web product. Um, you can put Optin Monster on a Shopify site. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we'll see more of that. Yeah, Same, yeah. you know, y'all's. Uh, Nomad Base is a more hobbyish example, but it's another example of a WordPress thing, but it doesn't matter that it's WordPress. And if you guys decided to do something crazy with it that could potentially be monetized, like it doesn't matter that it's WordPress. It's just a it it, it would just be a service that happens to use WordPress as a tool. Right, right. Yeah. I think um 
I, I've kind of seen the writing on the wall for a few years there um, with, with the, you know, more, more use of WordPress. I guess it's the whole kind of framework thing as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's incidentally used rather than, um, you know, uh, the, the kind of primary build, build a WordPress site kind of thing. Yeah, um, yeah NoaBase is a good example of that. Um, Another one that's coming out is Imagely. Uh, oh, yeah, I, I saw something to do with that. You actually read my newsletter. <laughs> <laughs> I can't promise I saw it from there. <laughs> it, I don't know where else you would have seen it from. Hint, hint. Uh, but yeah, that's from the makers of NextGen. NextGen Gallery is an enormous plugin uh, in that. Enormous, u- ugly plugin. <laughs> I just had a conversation with them about that the okay. reputation in the WordPress world. Uh, <laughs> they've gone, they've gone through a lot of iteration and they've improved it significantly, but they've had their bumps. It's one of those th- problems right. with being a very old plugin. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, so they're going to have a hosted service, and it's going to be more like what SmugMug is for photographers. And it doesn't matter that it's WordPress. Imagely is just going to be a photography website service. Hmm. But it's yeah. built on WordPress, and it's you know it's transferable to WordPress. Like if somebody wanted to be self-hosted, they could leave Imagely. I want to see a lot of these companies. I've said this for multiple years now. Really, ever since you guys created Happy Tables, um, I was excited about what can be done in terms of hosted uh, website services mm-hmm. to create more niche versions of what like a Squarespace does. Sure. Uh, that's so generic. I want to see it for dentists and lawyers and all sorts of different services. And I think we will see these pop up in 2016 finally because a lot of the stuff that you need to make that a good user experience, like a front-end workflow system for mm-hmm. like creating stuff, the REST API does help with that. Yeah, the REST API and the open source of Calypso, I think, as well. Um, mm-hmm. And any more, hopefully, you know... Uh, those kind of editor workflows that people do create, if they are also open sourced, then there's just going to be a lot more for people to see as kind of prior work there to to lean on. Yeah. What I mean, if you were giving someone advice, have built happy tables, what would you give these people for as advice? Uh, what well, for building like a hosted for building a hosted service thing. Yeah. Um, I I think WordPress is one of the best things out there because primarily because of multi-site and how perfectly that really fits with the SaaS model of doing mm. a lot of stuff. Yeah, you get a lot of stuff know. for free with WordPress. Right, right, exactly. Um, Happy Tables actually uh, has its own custom API that we built because it was pre-REST API project virtually anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Use the REST API. Uh, I, I'd... Um, I would probably look at Calypso the most in terms of just seeing how they've done things. Um, the, the Calypso um, architecture is is somewhat, uh, no pun intended, but in flux um, because they're, you know, the the um, architecture they're using for some of that stuff, I, from, from what I gather talking to, to Nikolai, uh, is, is changing a little bit. But even so, go and look at it, understand how mm-hmm. it works. That will put you on a very good starting path to to understanding how to build something 
yourself. But I mean, it's really not that difficult for for the the thing that you were talking about, which is you know dentist websites or something. It's really a case of uh, get a multi site, get some you know use Makeda to do domain mapping. People sign up, write all your custom code for you know all that sign up process, so it's super smooth. Write your API endpoints, build a front end. You know, is the harder it's... part the user onboarding for new customers and making that a pleasant experience or is it the actual site management portion? Um, I guess they're not too dissimilar if you okay. if you want to go the kind of t- custom dashboard route and put them in together. If yeah. someone was doing it and they had to prioritize one of the two. My, are, you, are you asking thought, for a friend? Is that, is that what this conversation I'm asking, is? I've, I've been interested in this for years, and I've, I might as well ask you these questions while we're recording. Sure. Um, to me, it seems like the priority should be on creating a good user onboarding experience, like the initial site creation uh, content, and like we're going to give me this information in a pretty way, and then we're going to spit it out so that your site looks good from the very beginning. Right. And right. then we'll dump you in the WordPress admin and clean it up some, but you don't necessarily need a fully custom admin once you get the basics in for a client. Right, yeah, yeah. So, like, a um, good way to solve, well, one way to solve that is doing the kind of, um, you know, wizard approach to right. use some Windows terminology. I love um, wizards. <laughs> Yeah, I know that there are like hosting companies exploring that because WordPress onboarding, I mean, you know, uh, it's is fairly it sucks. yeah, exactly. Um, WordPress.com, I think you said 97% of sites were abandoned. 96, but I like the increase right. of 1%. 2016 <laughs> it'll be 97%. So, um, yeah, dropping somebody just into the admin is not a, a a way to help with that like even I think, you know, WordPress has added that dashboard block right which kind of says this is where you can go create a post to begin but it's it's just not enough at all so like all of that data collection is is quite important like one thing that we had on happy tables is on the sign up page it 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 literally just starts off with a search for your restaurant which uses google places and you select your restaurant and from that we can already pull a bunch load of information so we don't need to uh, collect it all off them or whatever or or have them go put it in the right places once they've landed on a dashboard or something. Um, so it so happened that that is the path that we could take there to get that initial amount of information so it looks like they're looking at a site that is already theirs. Um, but kind of things like that, I think um, looking beyond the kind of, I'll just show a big form and they enter everything. If there is shortcuts that you can make to, um, you know, Populate a lot of that information already. Then uh, that's that's a pretty good part of onboarding, like reducing the amount of friction there. Because the the WordPress.com metric that's the amount of people that actually signed up for a site, but they they presumably have a good amount of drop off that don't even get that far because you know uh, they just don't feel comfortable even signing up or intimidating by that process. Hmm. Um, so making like on, on the happy table sign up, it wasn't even as if you knew that you were signing up that much it, it, it wasn't quite that black and white it was like search for your restaurant and then a button that was just like go to my website or something so again yeah. just breaking down that like as developers we kind of think it of logged out user user signs up uh you know user login into dashboard these are all quite separate experiences typically 
um, and you know viewing the front end of your website again is a different one. Uh, so yeah, I, I love the way y'all did it. I actually built a friend of mine's website on Happy Tables, or helped him do it. And mm -hmm. y'all's user onboarding experience, I thought, was really good. Um, and I would like to, I'd like to see more services doing this. And the funny thing is, if people don't create these hosted services and these like nice user onboarding experiences, uh, hosts will. Oh no, uh, hosts are looking at it already. Yeah, they are. They're yeah. doing it. Yeah. Um, I have a video where. Uh, Gabe Mays from GoDaddy, I haven't published this yet, but he's showing me their new user experience that exists and mm -hmm. they're already, you know, they're iterating on it to make it better and more versatile. Um, and what's interesting is if they kind of beat hosted services to market, the self-hosted experience might feel a lot like a hosted experience in a lot of ways, like a more niche hosted experience. Yeah, um, or I think you may have to just go even further on the um, hosted experience rather than the, you know, you, you still have the problem of GoDaddy are probably trying to focus on, let's say, 20 verticals or something. Right. Um, so you, you've just got to do more if you you're going to... better. Right, exactly, it's, which is good for, um, good for consumers, <laughs> more, yeah. more work for developers. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean... The, that that process I feel like is just important and I, I do feel like we're going to see a lot of this in this next year and I'm excited about it because I've been talking about it for so dang long. Yeah, well... Um, I know from, I'm looking for more examples than Happy Tables for me to point to when I talk about these types of things. Well, there's some exciting Happy Tables news coming in January, so uh, oh, man. Hold, hold out for that. Nice tease. <laughs> um, <laughs> on a similar note, there, and we're going to wrap up here in a second, I do want to talk, though, one of my notes for 2016 is I said theming will change, and I actually think it'll change in a lot of ways. Uh, one of the things that we've seen in 2015 that we didn't really talk about very much, but uh, the viability of a theme-only business, theming, theme sellers, uh, they haven't, it hasn't been a very good year. <laughs> for theme sellers. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, I, I have never... Um, Never liked the business. I've I've always had a lot of issues with it. From um, I I don't understand how it's economically viable, frankly, to run a theming business. I mean, it is for some, but the, you have to making a theme business pop the way uh, some of these plugin businesses have done. I feel like is near impossible. Right, now. right. The only ones that I've seen are. Actually, it's theme businesses that are staying viable because of these new things. But like uh, the Theme Foundry and Obox have done it with page builder themes. Mm -hmm. Elegant Themes has done it with a page builder theme. And page builders have kept a lot of these folks viable. But in terms of just releasing new themes, the best people are doing with more simple niche themes is just floating, uh, staying, right, staying right. alive. And and I, I feel like one of the other problems with theming, though, is that the longer you go on, the harder it seems to get because you've probably got more themes that you have to maintain that you're, that you're maintaining for support. And but you're also having to produce new themes because, I, from from what I from from several people that I've talked to, typically you know you you get a spike when your new theme comes out and it starts trailing. So when you release a new theme to get another spike of sales, and that's and always amazing. You're, you're right, and you're constantly 
accruing more and more themes to support in the past. Yeah. <laughs> so well I, <laughs> well, I think Woo Themes has done a good job of retiring stuff frequently. Mm -hmm. um, the other route that Woo Themes has taken is they kind of put all the business in Canvas and they're going the Genesis route of more and more child themes that really mm -hmm. are display and not so much right, logic. Right. Um, but yeah, theming business is hard. I think it's going to continue to be hard in 2016. Um, I think one of the things that maybe will have some uh, some life in 2016 is going to be uh, examples of JavaScript-driven themes, but that's more along the lines of learning and fun than it is just making that super appealing to a customer. Yeah, yeah, I don't... Um... I don't imagine the commercial landscape will change a huge yeah. amount. There. I think some niche um, theme shops will continue to do okay. I think audio theme does pretty well. Um, theme of the crop is a restaurant theme company. Stuff like that, I think, will continue right. to do pretty well. I mean, I, I feel like there's there's still room for innovation in theming. Um, so maybe that will ignite something. Um, it's just it, it's not like something that I'm involved with that heavily. Yeah. But I, I just wouldn't be surprised if somebody came along and started doing something that was going to be making them a good amount of money. I think... Because they, they were doing it differently. I agree. I think one of the ways that that could be done is actually by, you know, you're technically a theme business, but you're really a plug-in business. So right. again, yeah. attacking uh, a niche where, you know, you have a theme for lawyers, but the really what people are paying for is all this lawyer specific functionality. Um, so it might be something that's kind of integrated into maybe even a hosted service. So maybe your path is, okay, I want to get into the lawyer niche. So you actually create a theme that has the look and feel that small law firms would like. And mm -hmm. the meat of what you're actually selling with the theme is the pretty part of a plugin that provides functionality for lawyer type websites. And then right, down the road, right. once you've proven that this is something that's in demand, you have a hosted service where your plugin and themes are made available in an easy manner for people to just have hosted with you so they don't have to deal with all that. Mm -hmm. So that's mm -hmm. kind of the path I see for how theming can be anything that matters. Right, right. I mean, that, that's the kind of more monolithic approach, right, um, in terms of you, you're getting more than just a a theme to skin some WordPress posts. Right. You're getting functionality. I wonder whether there is room somehow for an ecosystem to develop where there's lots of, you know, parts of themes, as it were, or features for themes, mm -hmm. which would somehow interoperate and go in from the, the small, you know, r rather than people building lots of things, if there's a way for um, a little bit like how, how you get a little more on the plugin side is, you know, people building add-ons for other plugins and things like that. Whether theming could be something that doesn't have to be, because right now, like one theme is a total black box and like good luck with like, you know, a plugin trying to add something into that theme. Right. It just doesn't, doesn't work. But I wonder if there's room for more structure to emerge there where theming can become a bit more modular in terms of, um, you know, uh, how how it could all fit together um, and a bit more defined because I, I don't feel like that's great at the moment. Yeah, I would love to see that. I, you know, part parts of me at times have wanted to dig into these types of businesses. Instead, I decided to cover them. 
Um, so some of the ideas that I've had, I agree with you. I think there's a lot of potential there, but mm. it's hard unless the experience of buying and configuring is from a singular source. So maybe Envato could lead a th- uh, something like right, that. Right, right. But Envato is so invested into the monolithic black box model mm-hmm. that really what motivation do they have to make it more modular? Um, right. Yeah, because true. I agree, it would be really cool if you had plugins that you could get in one swoop where you click checkbox, checkbox, checkbox. I want testimonials and FAQs and, I don't know, a quoting thing. I, you know, I want certain functionality. And here's a big suite of themes based on this faceted mm. search that have display modules to make this set of functionality look great. I think right. that is something that could be awesome, but there's not a whole lot of people in the market that have the power to do that. And I think the people that do to where it's a unified buying experience, at least the people that do aren't necessarily motivated to do so. Yeah. No, some things would definitely have to change for that to emerge. I think. Uh, Yeah. yeah. So anyway, I think we'll still see a lot of changes in the theming world. Uh, You got anything else? I I kind of did want to talk about the last one uh, yeah, that yeah. we have on this list Let's because do I do think this is actually pretty important. If someone so. has listened to an hour and 15 <laughs> minutes of this, they're pot committed, they'll stick with us for five more minutes. <laughs> so the last item we have is auto updates become more prevalent, uh, which I do. I, I This I see as... Um, I hope this will happen, I guess. I hope that uh, I'd like to see auto-updating of plugins, at least minor versions. Um, I think the whole auto-updating thing needs to continue further than it has come. It's come a huge way since, you know, having to FTP up your files <laughs> uh, back, back in the day, every, every release of WordPress. Um, I kind of get the impression uh, that the lead devs are... You know, they want more auto-updating. I think major version auto-updating is like something that we may see being more common. Um, it's like a lot of, it'll a lot of the managed hosts are already doing that now. It'll happen in 2016. Um, no doubt about it. Do you think it's it. going to be in core, just straight up? Not for new versions. Um, hosts, like you said, are already doing it. Not just managed hosts, big hosts. Um, mm-hmm. Big hosts are going to sites that are out of date and updating them basically right, to some right. either arbitrary or you know some level. So this functionality goes back to 3.7. So big hosts are going and taking people from 3.7 to say 4.3. I don't know. Um, well, 4.4 just came out. So <laughs> they're doing that. And if they can do it without breaking everything, then they do. That's what the feature on Bluehost, or yeah, feature right. on Bluehost was about. I have an interview with uh, someone from Bluehost where they talked about the process of doing that. Maybe I'll tack it onto this podcast. Um, I think we'll see that further and maybe from a core perspective as well, where if you're on 3.7, maybe they'll update you to 3.8 or 3.9 or 4.0 or who knows. Mm -hmm. Um, I hope to see that in 2016. I think we might. I I hope so too. Um... It's funny, this one, because I think it's great for the whole ecosystem. Like, I, I look at, um, I think Matt's analogy of the uh, Android and iOS was very good. You know, WordPress is kind of in the Android 
space right now is very quite fragmented across the board. Mm-hmm. So maybe not quite as bad. Um, whereas iOS, you know, they release a new version and and people migrate like crazy um, for several reasons. One is probably compatibility, but then just the the process is is a, is a lot easier. The handsets are, you know, all compatible. Um, so with with WordPress core, then. I, I hope that it gets to that point, right, where a new version comes out and, you know, we're getting, uh, you know, 5 million sites upgraded a day per day, you know, for the next wh- however long and you, you get a huge amount there. Um, but I do know that on the, you know, uh, developer side, then it's not that simple. Like all of the sites that we have, I would not be happy with major updates happening. Definitely not. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. You mean with core, not plugins? Right, right, yeah. Plugins definitely not, um, but but even even core uh, updates rolling out would be too much. Things breaking, frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, I, d- I don't know. You know, um, may- maybe those sites are a little more um, fragile. <laughs> yeah. Where, whereas, if you just like you know go to a host and sign up and install three plugins or something and then build out your site. There's probably not that much to break, uh, whereas I feel like a lot of stuff that we build is can quite easily break, you know, just because function. There's there's a lot of functionality there that is quite um, uh, dependent on on the code under it running the way that it should do. Um, so I'm I'm not sure how to kind of um, how to reconcile that in terms of. Um, WordPress where available, where where it suits, should it be auto upgrading? But it's kind of somehow how do you kind of draw that line between where you deem it not to be okay to do a major upgrade to a site and when it is okay. Um, and obviously at the moment, then people have the choice whether they want to opt in or opt out of that. And you know, we we probably be or, or would be opting out um, if if major updates were added. Um, but if someone's on WordPress four you know, there's a much higher likelihood that their website is just sitting there rotting than if they're yeah, that, on WordPress 4.3. Right, right. That's very true. So, like, it's not like we're not upgrading our sites. We're just being quite methodical and slow in term, or, right. or, or not slow, but just kind of, you know, maybe one or two months after that's actually how long it'll take to, to get a major version because we've had to fix things and do all the testing and everything. Exactly. So that upgrading will still happen. It's not going to hold back the the amount of sites that are being upgraded to 4.4, right? Because we're actually looking after these sites. For the, yeah, the abandoned sites, then, you know, for, for somebody that isn't going to upgrade it, you might as well upgrade it to 4.4. You know, maybe someone's not even <laughs> not even paying that that site attention. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm just not sure. If you like, a lot of people compare it to the Chrome model, where Chrome is just updating all the time. But I'm not sure in enterprises if, if, if they have that enabled. Something tells me that they probably wouldn't do. Um, so there's going to be some line there of, of, of where, you know, you're wanting things to be so stable to the point that you're not willing just to allow people to change code under your feet. Yeah, I think one of the things we may see, or I hope we see, is basically a better system, maybe like a tagging system, where a plugin developer can more easily tag something as a security release that auto updates mm-hmm. minor versions or something but i do think you talked at the beginning of the show about the role of lead developers uh this is one of the places where lead developers can really lead 
by helping create a responsible workflow for managing this type of stuff. Because it is important and inevitable that auto-updates become a bigger thing. Um, But at the same time, it needs to be smartly done so that, you know, we don't fatal a bunch of websites or break a bunch of website functionality for people that are paying attention to their website, like human made that might just have like a process of waiting a couple of weeks before they update major installs or testing plugins before they just like slap the new version on. Right, right. And that's, and and I'm fine for us to be the, uh, you know, the exception there in terms of, of um, opting out of that choice, mm-hmm. um, which is, I, I think, um, would, would be a better way to go rather than, than now it's you opt into major versions. So and, I definitely think that, that would be better if it was defaulted. And it's all about perspective, too. I agree with you. Like, I don't want post status updated, like, just willy-nilly because it might, you know, there might be this, like, flow that needs to happen between WooCommerce and other plugins that I'm running in core WordPress. Like for instance, there was a WooCommerce compatibility patch for WordPress Um, Mm 4.4. So it's nice if you can kind of control that if it matters, like, (laughs) like post status matters to me in that way. Right. My personal website at krogsgard.com, like I just want every single update available to just go. Yeah. I want it. I will run it on trunk. I don't care, (laughs) you know, because it's a different level of priority for me. Yeah, that I mean that I, it probably ultimately boils down to that. I the the one thing that I struggle with is um, when we look at the other systems that are out there, they're typically auto updating. So um, you know your I don't know iOS or whatever or Chrome. All of these things usually have um, they have things that are built on top of them. That they need to main compatibility with so all of your Chrome extensions or whatever are expected to carry on working. Uh, and Chrome extensions even auto-update themselves as well. So, you know, that's fine. But all of these systems have very defined APIs on what it is to actually break something. Uh, So it's quite unusual that Chrome will break an extension because it's probably on purpose that they've changed some API because the extension can only use that API. In WordPress, for plugins that are written PHP, then no such thing exists. You can, you know do some really crazy stuff if you want to. And uh, I'm just not sure whether that is incompatible with the idea of being able to update large amounts of code at once with not even having an API to stick to. So if everybody was building off the REST API, it totally wouldn't be a problem. Let's say that every you know theme and plugin interacted via the REST API and we actually knew what was changing release to release. The problem with WordPress is... is uh, like no one knows what is going to break when they change something in WordPress. Like, and and, and I I don't just mean to, like the core team doesn't know that. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's there's always uh, a, a chance that you're going to change something that somebody was relying on, and you kind of hope that is this is such a it would be such a weird thing to do to have this affect you that it probably won't matter. Um, but the the chance is always there, and and the the um, some things are a lot more common than others. You know, four four had a a good amount of, of kind of edge casey breaking things. Um, so I, I just don't know whether that utopia of just WordPress is continually evolving and changing. For that to happen, I think things, WordPress is going to need a lot more 
better defined internal API for plugins to develop on. Whether than right now, it's you know, hook into a load of things and probably you know potentially change some globals and filter get text to change the text or whatever <laughs> you want it to be. Like you, you can do all those things. I'm not saying those are great ideas for developers to actually do them, but on iOS programming with Coco, you just you can't even do those things. Um, so so there is a inherent trust there that you can swap, swap out some internals behind your API and it's not going to affect people that are running code on it. Um, so I'm, I'm not um, totally sure how far we're going to be able to go in, in that direction. You're making me really want to do a follow-up podcast about this because <laughs> I feel like we need somebody smarter than me to challenge you on <laughs> some of these topics. Some, some, somebody's smarter than me to, to show me I'm wrong, probably. <laughs> somebody smarter than me to challenge you. Somebody smarter than you to smack you down. <laughs> no, I think you're making you're very good points. I don't, I don't know the, any of the answers. But I do think auto-updates will become more prevalent. And I hope that the people that are pulling the trigger on these decisions are considering the types of challenges that you're bringing up. Um, yeah, oh, ab- absolutely. We'll yeah. have to get one of the lead developers on to talk more about auto-updates on a future episode. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm certainly not naysaying auto-updates. I just don't know fundamentally. Did you say naysaying or nascening? <laughs> there must be... Oh, a, that was a, such a bad joke. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dad-joking our podcast. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that's, that's bad the Christmas Sorry, holidays. Sorry, you're not naysaying what? Uh, I'm, I'm, I, I totally want auto-updating. I'm just fundamentally not sure how far we can go in that direction with the current, uh, with, with WordPress being fairly lax and loose as it is, I guess. But I agree that we'll definitely see more of it. I'm just not sure when it's going to tail off, I guess, in, in terms of how far that, that, that can um, be utilized. Well, there you have it, everybody. That's 2015 in review, and you know what's going to happen in 2016, so we can just catch up next year. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll uh, give ourselves see a grade. next Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Joe, where can people reach you? Uh, they can uh, reach me on Twitter at Joe underscore Hoyle. And you can go to postatus.com slash club and sign up, because you should. You should go to feelingrestful.com. <laughs> You, should, you need to give uh, give Brian a Christmas present yeah. of um, of a membership. You know, that's a good point because I just gave myself a Christmas present. I bought a new camera because I was disappointed in my camera's performance at WordCamp US. So I bought myself a camera that spe- is apparently really good for photos, but also really <laughs> good for video. Um, what uh, what camera was it? Can you? Yeah, it's the Canon seventy D. Oh wow! Um, it's a no. It's it's like a roller. it's a mid level uh, DSLR. Yeah. Um, but that's pr- that that's the range up from like the three hundreds or whatever four hundreds. I don't know. They have so much stuff. Uh, right. But it's apparently a good video DSLR, and I'm really excited about that. It's got. So built- you're going to be doing some post status video updates? That, Is that the? Uh, I'm going to be doing some. I'm I'm going to take post status on the road. Um, <laughs> wow. Cool. I'll be I'll be bringing it to a day of rest in January. People nice. should go to that. Um, but you know, maybe I'll I'll get an interview of you, Joe, and we'll do this 
fun thing where you're like all blurry and then I just focus in on your face with this smooth transition that this camera promises <laughs> Amazing. Me. The art direction is going to be out of this world. Um, I know how that appears in your head. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know, I know <laughs> how disappointed one can be. <laughs> so the unfortunate part of buying a camera is it's kind of like printers where the ink is more expensive than the printer. Uh, but at least the in cameras, problem. the lenses are far more valuable than the ink right. of printers. They're, they're, they're not um, perishable or whatever you right. would call it. So I'm, I'm looking at a couple lenses and I bought one that was like a hundred bucks and it's like a classic 50 millimeter prime. So I'm happy mm -hmm. with that. It'll be great. Um, it's like the only good cheap lens. It's like a gateway drug for buying lenses, I guess, right, in the yeah. Canon ecosystem because the next one I want, even refurbished and on sale for Christmas, is $680. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, no, your, your, your expenses have only just become with the body. Right, it's, so if 6.8 <laughs> people could sign up for post status because they listen to this, I will buy that camera before Christmas and I'll, or that lens before Christmas and I'll bring it with me to uh, a day of rest and I'll, I'll show it to you. And we'll, we'll do that beautiful blurry fade thing. There we go. It's got to be worth it. Yeah. All right. So we'll see you in uh, January. Next week, I think I'm going to have an interview that people can listen to over the holidays. Nice little tease there. And we'll catch everybody next time. Thanks. Bye.